What's up, Redemption Community? My name is John Hendricks. Thanks for joining again for episode number two of the Threshing Floor Podcast. We're so glad to have you. Today, we're going to be going over a couple of rule changes that are hitting the game, one that's actually already in effect, and then one that is going in effect on November 1st. And we'll be discussing that with Brad and Derek from episode one, but also welcoming in a new guest, making his debut on the podcast, the host of Redemption with Jaden. We'll be having Jaden Allstad, and we'll also be going over four new cards that were revealed that are in Gospel of Christ, and they were revealed in their entirety the way that they went to print, so we'll be giving our initial thoughts on those. We'll also be allowing Derek to speak and provide details about pre-orders that are now available for the new set for Phase 1, available at yourturngames.biz. So we've got a loaded show for you. We're so glad that you're joining us, and we'll get right into it. Thank you for being here. Thank you again for joining. My name is John Hendricks. Again, we have Brad and Derek from Episode 1, and also joining us is Jaden Allstad. So, Jaden, why don't you take a few moments and introduce yourself, please? Sure, yeah. Uh, as you said, my name is Jaden. Uh, it's actually pronounced Allstead. Not that I normally uh, correct people on that, but, you know, I figure I should just set the record straight, you know. Uh, it's weird. It's Norwegian. Um, but I don't get to, to do that very often. Anyways... Um, my name is Jaden. Uh, I've been playing Redemption for um, pretty much since I could read. My brothers uh, got me into it, and um, I was you know, grew up a lot playing with my neighbor, and uh, we had a lot of our um, like Twin Cities tournaments kind of back in the day that were uh, pretty big and a lot of fun. Um, and over the years, you know, things have kind of fluctuated a little bit, and uh, but. Recently, I think things are kind of you know, starting to, to kick back up again with having you know, more interest. And uh, one of the ways that I personally wanted to you know, get involved with that, uh, with Redemption, was you know, I started a YouTube channel. So now I've got Redemption with Jaden, shameless plug, um, <clears throat> that I've been going at for uh, about a year and a half now. And that's been a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm glad to be part of uh, this new content that uh, John's heading up here. And uh, I guess outside of Redemption, uh, I'm an EMC engineer uh, at a company called Intertech doing like quality assurance stuff. And uh, I like to play guitar and like other like strategy games and board games, that kind of stuff. But uh, obviously Redemption is kind of the the go-to when it comes to games. So I'm uh, yeah happy to be a part of this. So um, Derek, if you want to... Um, the first thing that, that I'd like to get started is you can uh, have the floor to provide some details about pre-ordering phase one at your turn games. Yeah, uh, thank you. So, yep, the Gospel of Christ, the uh, pre-orders are now out uh, at your turn games. And so pre-orders, this is the best time to buy if you plan on getting any of the new sets, um, whether it's Gospels of Christ or any new set going forward from here, pre-orders are really the best time to do that uh, because you get the best deals. Um, the cards are the cheapest. Um, you know, you're going to get a complete set for really cheap at the lowest cost you'll probably ever get the set at because, as we all know, with these kinds of games, 
they will increase over time. Their value for individual cards will increase over time. So the set prices will only go up from here. Single card prices will only go up from here. So uh, now is the best time to do it. So uh, you can buy display boxes. Right now they're at a, they're at their cheapest at a, at one hundred five. Um, they will be going up from there um, after pre-orders are done. And then uh, we're also selling complete sets, which also include uh, legacy rare, a full set of legacy rares for each set, um, free shipping, and a uh, Authority of Christ playmat. Um, so it's really a great deal. So I would highly take advantage of that. And also, if I can't get you know exact regular ultra rare version um, of the car, the three ultra rares coming out in phase one then there's a good chance you're going to get a uh, uh, Ultra Rare Plus because I, I want to make sure you just get the card and not just an exact, you know, regular version. So you can get either or uh, depending on what I have available. So great deal for a complete set, but everything else is still a great deal. Packs and display boxes. And you can buy complete sets uh, in, in um, uh, Legacy Rares, Commons, Rares, things like that. So Head on over to your turn game shop biz, check it out and uh, get your pre-orders in now. Sweet. So we go ahead and knock out both shameless plugs early on. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Can I, uh, get, can I put in my pre-order right now, Derek on the, the podcast? Yeah, let's do it live right here <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> All right. And for any of, of those interested, I, I know that it was a question that I had. So I did ask Abe on discord if well i just asked and he was the one that answered so if you're looking for a specific subset or theme nativity the demon support he did say that those would mostly be staying together in one phase or the other i have personally not been involved in the game when they've done a two-phase release so it was a question that i had so if you have that same question they will mostly be grouped together in one phase or the other although we don't know which ones are in which phase yet all right, and moving on, we actually had four cards this week that were spoiled in their entirety, so they were presented to the community how they went to print, and those cards are Transfiguration, Golgotha, The Woman at the Will, and High Priest Plot. So we have all four of those, and we'll just open it up. We'll start with Brad. Kind of pick out, pick out a card and, and tell us what you think about it. I will choose... Uh, since I run a lot of black defense, <laughs> I'll go with the high priest plot. Um, it says you may negate a good card or reserve a good card from opponent's hand, protect meek lost souls and your evil cards from good cards. Um, to me, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see a little bit of the theme in some of these and I'll kind of let them comment on some of the other cards, but um, I think, you know, getting rid of reserve cards might be a, a thing now that we saw another spoiler today. And uh, also, I think that uh, the Meat Lost Souls is going to be another sub-theme here. Uh, they'll probably be pretty powerful. I think more people, especially with uh, Remnant and Exiles not being as powerful and things like that, it might go with the Meat Lost Souls. So uh, I'm excited to play and hopefully get a little boost on, uh, on the Black defense. Yeah, I, I think that card also has some similarities. Um, Rob also pointed it out on Discord that it kind of reminds him of did God really say to where you can play it in territory to negate storehouse or it can be used in battle. So seems like it's got some versatility and, and utility to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I compare more to uh, Betrayal. I think it's 
uh, pretty close to betrayal where you underdeck a good card. It's uh, territory class. Both of them are territory class. So imagine, you know, getting hit in your prep phase uh, with both of those, you know, that's pretty nasty. So two cards, you know, kind of gone, two good cards in your hand gone. So uh, it's there. It's going to be a nasty uh, combination, I think with the black side. Yeah. Um, one card that, that I really liked on here is Transfiguration because it brings in Elijah from your reserve deck or territory. It's also CBN, I'm guessing, because of the Moses play because it brings in both Moses and Elijah. And I think that's going to be pretty cool because it's going to be a way to kind of blend some strong heroes with a couple of different themes so you can play your disciples that are purple or a clay offense can get a boost by having those guys involved as well. Um, Jaden, do you want to you want to speak about any of these? Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. So transfiguration high, high priest plot being the the two rares that we see here, I think you know those are definitely going to be the um, the better ones. Um, yeah, especially high priest plot with like the negating a good card part in rotation is is even pretty good by itself. Um, but I think uh, let's see one of the the cool ones I think that. We'll see how much it, it gets played. Uh, I, I can't, you know, speak too much to the, the themes and stuff since I, you know, have a little bit more insider information with the playtesting, but, you know, we uh, get a first peek uh, at the NT gold theme with Woman at the Well here, seeing um, <clears throat> that she gives NT enhancements regardless of protect abilities, uh, command to a Samaritan or take a gospel artifact from reserve. Um, um, guessing most people can you know figure out like you know why she gets to take a gospel artifact from reserve and uh, we'll see some more uh, it, it kind of gives a hint that we'll see some more samaritan stuff and um also like you know maybe a, a little bit of what the you know samaritan or like anti gold theme is going to do with like you know if she's uh you know gives enhancements regardless of protect abilities then you know you're going to be um you know, set up against like evil characters and stuff that are protected, like you know, Red Dragon, and um, I guess you know she doesn't really have to worry about King of Tyrus, but uh, you know, foreign wives maybe, um, and then also you know other areas. I guess that that can be protected. Um, you know, she can attack those too. So that's maybe you know something to to think about or or see in in uh, NT Gold here. So for Gospel Artifact, uh, it's coming to me, guys. I have a feeling it's going to be Samaritan Water Jar. Maybe call me crazy. I'm going to call you crazy because I don't see I don't see where you pick that up. I can either um, confirm or deny. <laughs> yeah, I like how you just kind of subtly rubbed it in that you get the first look at the card, so you already have the information. While we are just you know peasants <laughs> discussing. I'm <laughs> just I'm just trying not to get in trouble with the you know the the powers that be here. You know that I'm not giving away too much information or anything. I'm just get got to, you know, level with you guys. Yeah. So, um, Derek, do you want to add anything about, about any of these? Yeah. Um, we haven't really touched on Golgotha, but, uh, I'll hit that real quick. So it's a site, uh, tricolor, purple clay, and I think it's clay or silver, maybe, uh, purple, purple, clay silver, or silver. it's silver. Okay. Um, it says uh, it has the identifier holds the cross, so there's a nice little sneak peek. I think we all kind of know it's probably going to be some kind of artifact. Uh, 
a powerful artifact. But anyway, uh, if put in play, you may take a gospel character, except a hero from deck or reserve. The first skull icon card used by your NT character, each battle cannot be prevented. So I love this card. Um, I like things like this where you can just tutor, you know, any kind of character right away. And one thing I noticed that uh, some of the current card pool is lacking is tutoring of evil characters. Uh, we have a lot of tutoring of heroes. There's Covenant of Abraham. Um, you can go on and on. But um, I just don't see too many tutoring of evil characters. So I think this is going to be good because it's, it's very broad. It targets any New Testament character. We know if it's not a hero, it's, it's going to be an evil character pretty much. So, um, so I think that's good. Uh, it can tutor any, any, any one of them. So um, that's, that's going to be a great tutor for those. And then uh, the fact that CBP for each skull icon card, that's great for any fight by the numbers characters we may potentially see. Um, or it could be great for uh, something like classic version with Sapphira. Uh, you know, all your, all your, uh, Crimson enhancements used on her or CBP, the, at least the first one is. But um, so I think this is a great card. I love it, uh, and that part of the ability is can't be negated anyway because it's a modifier. So I'm excited about this one. Yep. And for those of you keeping up at home, the cross is the card that, unless things have drastically changed, provides a potential alternate win condition. Like you can confirm that, right, Jade? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was spoiled already. Yeah, I just don't, I mean, I guess we're not privy to the information of if anything changed about that. And I assume it hasn't since Gabe hasn't said anything since that article came out on the land of redemption. Not that I remember that anything's changed. So, yeah. All right. So we'll, uh, segue into the first, uh, main topic that we have. We were, we're planning to discuss both recent rule changes, one that's already in effect, and then one that's going into effect on November 1st. The first rule change being that all souls no longer determine who goes first. So it will be a random selection method. So you'll draw your eight. You will then roll a dice, flip a coin, and each player can look at the initial eight, and the player that is choosing at that point chooses who goes first. And then that will apply to whoever goes first, that they choose will do their stars first, their lost souls first, and then we'll have the lead turn. So they will go first. So at this point we have, uh, um, I've done a little bit of testing and played in a tournament that was online, not this past month, but the month before. So if my calendar is right, I think that's September. So September online tournament, and it really didn't, didn't seem like it affected the game too much. How have you guys interacted with this rule since it's changed? And we'll we'll start with whoever wants to go first. Um, so I played. Uh, so the the person I play the most in Redemption is my son, uh, Braden. He's he's almost thirteen, and so uh, we try to play once or twice a week. And so uh, that's been my experience thus far. Um, you know, we'll uh, you know all these different little rules that have come out or potential rules, you know, we try to implement in our games just to kind of see how it plays out. But so we have obviously done the uh, first, uh, the rolling random uh, choice. And so I personally, like you said, John, I haven't really seen too much of anything that really, uh, that negatively impacts a game. I think it kind of simplifies it, honestly. I mean, you roll it, you're done. You know, you already kind of know what's going to happen here. 
uh, stars go off, souls, um, and then the first turn, things like that. So, uh, so far, I haven't seen anything negative. I think it, uh, I think it streamlines the game, and I, I prefer it honestly to how it used to be. Uh, I'll, I'll say that too. Um, I've only played a few games with it, but to me, it's, it's kind of like a, a relief in a way. Like I don't have to build my deck in such a way and maybe throw out some cards that, or not play some cards I really want to because I'm trying to like get the most souls out first so I can go first because uh, there is a little bit of an advantage there, uh, or at least there used to be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like the, the random method. Uh, a lot better so far. Yeah, I think that that's definitely better for the game in the sense that like you're not building your deck in a way that tries to get you to go first. Like you're not necessarily including like the you know Terra and Nahor and Amos, uh, you know, those guys with the star abilities that let you play Lost Souls because you know, you're not like trying to play lost souls from your deck in order to, to try to go first. Now, like you can not really worry about that. I mean, maybe you include them for a different reason, which, you know, we can maybe kind of gets into the, the next rule change that we'll be talking about, but um, you know, you can still play them to like help you get set up. If you want to like play a certain lost soul from your deck that can be helpful, but you're not doing it with the like expectation that like I have, the, the most cards in my deck that will, you know, generate lost souls for me so that I can guarantee that I go first, you know, it's no longer uh, a guarantee. It's, you know, completely random. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily change like the advantage you get for, for going first, but at least gives you kind of a, a fair shot at um, having that advantage without having to be kind of building your deck in a, a certain way that, takes advantage of that and i almost wonder if like the it would be if we'd be better off like deciding who goes first before like looking at your eight cards i don't know if that would necessarily be like applicable to redemption like maybe there's um you know a, a better I don't know. I guess like once you've seen your eight cards, you're like, okay, well, I've got more defense. Maybe I want to go second so I can you know try to draw a hero or something. Um, but maybe it'd be more balanced if you instead had to choose you know before drawing. Um, but then I guess you probably just end up with you know whoever wins choosing themselves to go first every time. Yeah, I think I think the advantage is still pretty strong to be the one to get the first rescue attempt. So I think if you were blindly selecting who goes first, it's almost like it's still probably the most beneficial to try to get that first soul on the board, especially with falling away not being, or women's falling away not being a, included in the rotation format. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also, for, I mean, even you know, without the considering the you know first shot at a rescue, first opportunity to set up your counters and do your searches and you know. Uh, all of those things can also you know, make or break a game. Yeah. Uh, um, I do I do think that it's easy to see that both this rule change and the delayed access to the reserve, which we'll get into in a, in a little bit, both of those are kind of set up to 
combat the imbalance of the start of the game to where the first player gets all of the cards accessed from the reserve and also gets the first soul on the in rescued in the game and kind of has that first opportunity to set up things that affect the game state for the second player. So there's an imbalance and it's easy to see that the imbalance is there and these are these are kind of compounded rules just to kind of combat that a little bit. So going into nationals, if you had asked me what percentage of players that go first win, I would think that it would probably be realistically around 80%. So you probably one in five games where you go first and set up first, do you lose? If you're, if you're asking me based on my play experience now, that doesn't mean that it's, it holds true for everyone, but what do you, what do you guys think this rule affects? Do you think that, that drastically moves that number down or do you think it it kind of leaves it the same without not including the reserve rule yet just this rule by itself do you think it adjusts that number to where if you go first your odds are about the same or do you think they're they're lower than they were um i don't think that this rule will change that i do think some that we'll talk about later will um, but I do want to highlight a story real quick of uh, some of my play experience at the Alabama Redemption Tournaments. Uh, oh, we would Lord. be sitting around the tables, and, uh, of course, you know, John here is uh, hosting this podcast. You know, he likes to make his uh, opinions and stuff known and, you know, kind of kind of be the life of the party in a way when it comes to tournaments. So I can just remember getting done with the game and him saying, who went first in that game? You won, didn't you? Yes. Who won went first in this game? You won, didn't you? See, I told y'all, whoever goes first wins. <laughs> and it was like, it was pretty funny because most of, like, it was pretty accurate. Time, it was pretty accurate, Ex- which is kind of funny. Except for that, in my next game, <laughs> I went first against Jay with my King Noah deck, and he put down Covenant with Death and completely wrecked me. <laughs> and I lost. After talking all that smack. That or a new beginning will completely mess up. Like, going first after that is like, if you throw down a new beginning, um, dominant, that really can shift the game too. So, once you have everything, you use all your setup cards, and the next thing you know, they're all wiped out, and you can't get, you know, set up like it used to be. So, good strategy on his part, going second or whatever. So, I mean, that was pretty much the, like, best way to counter the low first sight deck is if he could pull off a new beginning you just said to be lucky enough to draw into it <laughs> so so Derek, Derek and Jaden do you guys think that that number do you think it's it's altered at all with this rule by itself yeah I, I guess I don't think I, I kind of agree with Brad that I don't think that this number really changes from this rule I guess maybe the only uh, change that we would see is kind of like a you know side effect maybe of like if i draw you know uh, without the reserve rule if i draw my exiles remnant and prosperity and you draw like you know distressed or something you know i drew more lost souls so i would get to go first um and you know i have like my setup lost souls and you didn't draw those um where on on the other hand you know if i get like my exiles and my remnant you know those could uh you know or i guess with the with the random determination rule so in that same situation you know it that could determine you to go first or if you you win the die roll with your just your distressed but if i still have like my three setup souls then 
you know, that could uh, shift the game in, in my favor a little bit, um, you know, because I happened to draw kind of that right away free, uh, you know, value, I guess. Um, so I think that that could be a way that it, it shifts slightly in that, like, you know, you can, the, the player who would have gone first because they drew kind of their more important lost souls, um, you know, wouldn't necessarily get to go first, but might still win because of that. If that makes sense. It makes sense. And I'm just going to say ditto because I think you covered everything. <laughs> All right. So, so with that, um, we'll just kind of go ahead and skip because we've already hinted at it several times, just because these two rule changes, you can tell that <laughs> the intended purpose go hand in hand. So it's kind of hard to talk about them separately, but I did want to just to see, because for a while this was just something that could be coming down the pipeline. We didn't know that it was going to happen, but then on the 15th, I believe it was, yeah, it was on the 15th that Gabe went ahead and posted that this would be going into effect on November 1st. So initially we only had the change to who goes first and how that was selected, but now we know that there is going to be delayed access to the reserve so that for the first round of the game, so each player taking one turn before either player can remove any cards from their reserve. And this was posted on the boards by Gabe again on the 15th. If you want to go back and look at the post, um, he did put a brief Q and a that you will still be able to look at the reserve by game rule and that you can still look at your opponents with a special ability. So if you get one of the cards that lets you look at a hand or a reserve, you can look at their reserve. And then uh, clarification that removing a card is any, if an ability targets a card that started the game in the reserve and moves it to another location, it's considered removing it from the reserve. So even if it's an exchange or something, anything that takes a card from the reserve that started the game there. And also um, another, the, the last one was, can I still use abilities to send a card to the reserve? So if you play a card that targets a card in your opponent's hand, you can add to the reserve, you just can't remove um, so this is something that I believe there was pretty, pretty interested feed, feedback on Discord and the boards of people discussing it and whether you liked it or disliked it. I think everybody kind of had a strong opinion at one point, although I will say that as time has gone on, I've kind of waned a little bit to where I think you just kind of learn and adapt with it for the most part. But what do you guys think are your initial reactions to it? And we'll start with Brad. Sounds good. All right. Uh, initial reactions to um, the reserve rules and stuff um, that we just found out about. Um, I was a little 50-50 uh, kind of initially. I, I feel like I was like, okay, if they're trying to make this rule, there's probably a good reason. Now, when when they initially said it could be up to three turns, I was like, no way. I was like, what, what What would be the point of even having a reserve? Like the whole game. You three turns. The game's going to be over. And uh, I can't even use my Book of the Covenant. You know, like, <laughs> I, I need this. Or Book um, of the Covenant. Yeah. You know, love that card. But, um, but I, you know, with as fast as the game was coming out there, it, I, you know, going back to the going first, if you were able to go first – Get get a good enough hand to access your reserve and different cards. You could set up like your just about your whole board. I remember playing John with his flood <laughs> or with his Genesis deck rather, 
and him getting out 20 plus cards on the first turn, setting up Babel, uh, Sheol. There were uh, six counters that I could consistently yeah. get turn one. Golden Calf or, you know, Confusion Enosh. of Mind, Enosh. And then like Distress would be out there and you'd be like, okay, I haven't drawn a single card and all this is on the board. So when it comes to slowing down just a tad, I'm okay with that. Um, but, uh, and, and in the couple of games that I've had with the, you know, waiting a turn, yes, it's a little frustrating, especially cause even on defense, if I go, you know, if I'm defending again, I do Philistines, they, they pull a lot from reserve, uh, or at least mine do. Um, so that's kind of frustrating, uh, with that. Um, but you know, it's equal in both ways. So I'm okay with that. Um, and I think it does, it slows, it slows it down enough to where, the first turn, it gives both players a little bit more of an equal shot. So I think that some players would would almost rather go second, get the draw three, and then be able to uh, kind of get a better setup um, than maybe initially. So there's a few thoughts on it. All right, Derek, you wanna you wanna add your initial thoughts on it? Yeah. So I wasn't. Um, if anybody read any of my posts on the. Forum and Discord, uh, I think you can kind of tell, wasn't a fan of it, uh, of this rule change. The One of the main reasons is, uh, I think at this point, my, and this is my argument, you know, I was making then and still do, but I think at this point, when you're this many sets into the reserve having, uh, this many sets into, since the reserve was developed, and so many cards have been made that really access the reserve, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of a moot point at, at this time, you know, and, and I played some games where, you know, we did the, the one round reserve rule situation and I get it's supposed to kind of govern the speed of the decks, but it, it doesn't, I don't feel like it's really doing that. I don't feel like it's fully doing what it's intended to do. I think the, the animal and beast has already been created. Uh, the way the reserve has been and, and and it's been created and, you know, just expanded upon and, and you know, empowered with all these different cards that are out there. Um, I, I, I have to question, you know, the, if, if this was kind of a concern of some of the elders or playtesters early on, why did they make so many cards that can just constantly keep tapping a reserve? Why did they make Remnant? Why did they make Exiles? Why did they do that if they knew that was something that was, you know, too fast or too quick to do. Why, why all of a sudden it's feeling like it's abused? Why make it in the first place? Why make it ultra rares and rares? So that's just my thought is, is like, it was this never really considered early on in the past few sets. Um, you know, was there no plan in place to, to govern the amount of reserve and to, to know it's going to be abused because the fact of the matter is when you have competitive players in any game, they're always going to abuse and exploit any rule in any particular card ability or, you know, ability in a game. Uh, they're always going to take advantage of that. So you have to plan for that. You have to know that it's going to be, you have to already assume it's going to be abused. And so what can we do to mitigate this? Um, and so that's, I, I just feel like it probably should have been approached from that direction. Um, and, and now to create a rule that will restrict uh, the reserve access. I know the the purpose of it. I get it. It's trying to try to you know. It's trying to fix it, 
Um, but I feel like it's just a little too late for that. Um, I think there should be other things that should be considered, maybe counters that can get set up quicker to, you know, help stop the speed uh, of souls coming out, abilities on souls. Uh, I think the randomization uh, method is one thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think a um, another possibility is uh, like a um, an intro prep phase, you know, instead of you know, first person going uh, and rescuing first, I think they each should have an intro prep where they each have a preparation phase and there's no rescuing. They each kind of get a similar amount of draws. They can get set up a little bit quicker defensively or offensively. And and that kind of, I think, helps slow things down or at least gives the other player a chance who's not going first. Th- th- that's just my opinion on it. Um, but, I mean, I get the purpose of the rule, but I don't know if it's going to be as effective as, you know, those who are proponents of it um, hope that it will do. I think I, I see what you're saying about, like, you know, uh, a lot of the cards that have been printed, you know, that access to reserve, like, it's, you know, it kind of seems like we're just uh, trying to, to backpedal a little bit or, like, kind of put a, you know, Band-Aid on it. Um in a way, um, <clears throat> like, I mean, I guess maybe kind of getting back to the you know, original intention of the reserve was that you know, it was supposed to be like a sideboard, like, you know, getting out cards throughout the game that you think would be useful in the particular you know, game that you're playing, like, you know, putting a child is born in your reserve to grab with woman with child if you were playing against like a demon defense or something. Um, but then I just kind of turned into like this, you know, here's where I'm going to put all my most important cards that I can grab them with, you know, exiles and remnant and that stuff right away and, and get set up. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that the, like restricting the access for the first round necessarily like balances things out in the sense that like, you know, it, it gives each player, like a, you know, a fair shot or something before going. Like I, I think something like what you were saying, Derek, of you know the intro prep phase you know, might be um, more suitable. Where like you know before each your either player can rescue, they have kind of an opportunity to set up some counters. But even then, I mean, whoever has the first prep phase and can you know play their Amaze Road to delivered to you know, endless treasures to golden calf all from their deck. Um, you know, still going to be at the, you know, have an advantage over their opponent who, you know, now can't play their delivered into, you know, endless treasures and whatever. Um, so even like the prep phase, uh, you know, getting the first prep phase is kind of a, a big factor that I don't know that changing the reserve access will necessarily change. Like, I don't know if the, the change to the rule was necessarily to like balance things out as much. Uh, I think that would, it won't have a huge impact on like, or I don't think this rule will necessarily change. Like the, whoever goes first is more likely to win, you know, statistic. I mean, maybe it brings it down a little bit from the 80% that, that John was proposing. Um, before, but I mean, I, I still think that going first has a 
big advantage and that people will just build their deck slightly differently um, to kind of get back, I think, into a little bit of what the intention of the reserve was, which was to um, you know, be more of a sideboard rather than like a consistency package. Um, so I, I'm not a huge fan of the rule overall, but I can kind of see where, um, you know, how the desired effect could come through of kind of changing the way that the uh, reserve is going to or, uh, be used, I guess. Um, but I also kind of think that um, you know, something that I've kind of proposed before or kind of thought about is like maybe the, the change between, uh, or I guess the, the difference between going first and second should be a little bit more drastic than like, uh, you know, second player gets to draw first. Um, whereas like, you know, maybe the second player gets to make the first rescue attempt or something where, you know, like going first, you don't get to, uh, attack or something. Cause you know, like John mentioned before, you know, having the first opportunity to, to make a rescue is you know, pretty important, uh, especially without falling away, like he was saying. And then I kind of, uh, added to that by you know, saying, getting the first prep phase is also pretty important. So, um, you know, maybe kind of balancing, uh, those things out could, could maybe help the, the issue of like going first being, you know, the dominant strategy, I guess. I will say though, that coming into this and the last couple of weeks, like when it was still in the process of being finalized to where it wasn't an official rule, I had a lot stronger feelings than I do now. And now that it's happened, it's kind of like you're already in that let's adjust to it, to it phase. But mm-hmm. as far as like the original intent for the reserve, I really do feel like the ship has sailed kind of what, what Derek hinted on is the way that the way that cards have come out since that came out to where when I got into the game, the reserve was already there. And it didn't take me long to realize that with all of the cards that came out, and specifically Prophecies of Christ, it was the most recent set. So it was actually the first set that I bought into when I became a player, as far as besides those god-awful booster packs from Angel Wars. (laughs) See episode Um, one? Yeah. (laughs) That's a callback in the biz. I think we need to have like an intervention uh, podcast. For you and the Angel Wars, because it seems like it really, really negatively affected you, brother. So yes, um, I think on my next uh, <laughs> one of my YouTube videos, we should just do a draft with only Angel Wars packs. Oh, that's you, you'll be a special guest. I will tell you the Redemption with Jaden video where you opened up all of the packs. I might have fast forwarded a section of that because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to see Eli's face again or Kira. You <laughs> made dreams about him. But anyway, it was um, a pretty disappointing pack anyway, if I remember correctly. So, <laughs> um, my, I, I remember, and, and this is, this is going way back, but I remember my, my third grade teacher, if we're, if we can do one of these weird analogies, she told me that a reputation is something that once you've got it, you can't, you can't take it back. You can't undo it. Um, so make sure that however you present yourself is how you want to be remembered. And 
I think the reserve being that it's already gone through a change to where it's been used more of a second hand or a mini deck with power cards and consistency that trying to revert it back to its original intent is kind of like trying to get the toothpaste back in the tube as my grade school counselor used to use as an example. Once it's out, you can't do anything with it. Once you earn that reputation, you can't, I think it, I think it would be working against the grain to try to bring that back to where you try to create a way to make it exactly what it was before. I don't think we're, I don't think we're ever going back that far. Do you, do you guys think that's fair assessment as well? I think so. I mean, I think that the, now that the problem is kind of like more recognized or kind of more at the forefront, I mean, like, you know, I think when cards like Exiles and Remnant, you know, were printed, the elders or, you know, the card creation team probably didn't anticipate at that point, like how much of an impact that they would have. Um, And so now I think that we now that we know that like cards are going to be you know printed more um conservatively so to speak like you know initially there was a a lost soul in in goc which i can say now because it's no longer an ability but it lets you just like exchange a card in your hand with a card in your reserve and i was like wait a second no we want to like this is what we like don't want to do right and so we you know change that to be a little bit more um, you know, restrictive and, um, you know, not, or, I mean, it has like a completely different ability now. And so I think that, you know, going forward, we can kind of design cards more with that in mind. And then, you know, at some point in the future, exiles and remnant, you know, might rotate out or, you know, it will be way long in the future, but, you know, that's just kind of the, long-term perspective i think is you know where we can you know keep learning and then just kind of print new cards that you know don't have the same kind of effects and you know eventually we kind of you know the game evolves that way i guess also as far as the rules and how it kind of curbs everything back as far as alleviating the advantage of the person going first i feel like Personally, and again, I know that, and and Gabe kind of mentioned this in a post recently about set rotation, that the the elders, the, the people that make the cards, they're not perfect. They make mistakes, and you, you just kind of, I guess it, it just slapped me in the face with perspective to say, these guys are all volunteers, so nobody's perfect, and nobody's making making a wealthy income to do this. They're doing it out of, you know, love for the game. And I acknowledge that, but at the same time, I feel like this rule and the way that it's done doesn't really fix the main problem. And as I hinted before, that I think the problem that everyone acknowledges is that there's an imbalance at the beginning of the game that benefits, that greatly benefits the first player. So whoever gets to go first, set up their disruption counters first, gets that first soul rescue, plus with falling away not being there to reset the game at that point or whatever. It seems like this rule targets something that isn't necessarily the problem. I don't think reserve access was the problem in and of itself. I think it was the fact that if you did get all of those cards in your pre-game phase in the opening eighth, 
you also then still got to go first and then you turned those cards into a massive advantage at that point. But if you have those cards and you don't get to rescue on your first turn or something like that, I think that better targets the problem. And it seems like this rule, the way that it is, is it kicks the can down the road because whoever accesses the reserve first still, even though you don't do it the first turn, the opponent can't do it either. So you go first, you get the first soul in a slower first turn because it is going to be slower without that setup ability. But then when reserve access kicks in, the player that got got to go first, got to get the first soul, they immediately get first access to the reserve. And then at that point, they do everything that they would have done first turn anyway, just possibly without the soul triggers in the opening eight. So it seems like... It addresses the problem, in a, or it addresses a problem, a perceived problem that isn't, to me, necessarily the main problem. And I don't know if that's just me reading it incorrectly or just the way that I think, but I just feel like it's just delaying the advantage that that first player gets instead of changing the advantage. It's still there. It's just delayed for a turn. So what do you guys think about that? I, I can agree with that. Um, you know, I, I know there's been there was this this isn't going to change obviously anything. Uh, it's already been made. Um, there were some interesting proposals, you know, as far as trying to balance out the you know who goes first versus who goes second, and maybe the win percentage. Um, I think one of those uh, may have been Jaden or somebody else. You know, both players draw three on their first turn, but the person who goes first can't rescue a soul. You know, so they still can draw three, get set up, but they have to skip their battle phase. You know, and of course, player two has to work around all that setup cards. But again, the ability to have first crack at a soul, especially with the women's falling away being gone, is a is a big advantage. And I, you know, there would be times where I would rather go first and not rescue a soul uh, if it meant that I can set up, get what I needed, and try to counter you know, the opponent, uh, or whatever. Um, but, and that's just one, uh, again, that's, that's never going to happen because the rules have already gone into effect. Uh, but I do agree, like, as far as if you're trying to either slow the pace of the game or create an equal, not an equal, it's never going to be exactly equal between who goes first and second, but maybe a more balanced, like 60, 40, 55, 45, something like that, depending on who goes first or second. You know, maybe there was other ways to go around it. I don't know what the exact solution is, and that's where, you know, a lot of people are going to have different opinions. But I just think that whatever whatever rules are implemented, whatever changes are made, the competitive players are, are going to adapt to that, and they're going to just find new ways to, um, you know, play the game to their advantage. So it, I think it just comes down to adaptation. Um, so whatever new rule is put in place, they'll find, they'll find some new card, uh, some new mechanic or something, uh, combination that will kind of give them an edge, you know? And so, and that, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's part of the, the fun of, uh, you know, playing games like this, uh, is always finding some kind of new strategy, a new combo, new edge, uh, to always stay competitive, you know, and a step ahead of your opponent. I will say one thing that um, I think it was a, a positive change from the um, random 
decision of who goes first and and that also kind of maybe opens the possibility of um you know restricting the the first turn uh or the first turn's rescue or something like that um is that now since you choose who goes first before star abilities then using a star ability like you know on Emmaus Road or Balaam's Prophecy or whatever to um look at your opponent's hand you don't get to make that decision after you've seen their hand uh, which is like one thing that I think was um you know that those were the kind of games where if I had something like that I might actually choose to go second because if I see my opponent's hand and I'm like oh they don't really have a good attack or they um you know their attack walks right into my defense or something like that and I'm going to let them go first and then I get an extra three cards and um you know get to do something better and so if you you know, don't get to have that kind of information when you choose who goes first um then I think that that also um you know wouldn't give too big of an advantage uh when or if there was a rule about you know not attacking on the first turn or something like that so that if you were like if you see your opponent's hand and be like oh they don't really have any counters to set up I'm just going to let them go first and then they don't get to attack so they you know don't get to do anything on their turn and I just get three cards then um you know I, I think that that was a another positive change with the the random start yeah scattered was another one of those cards I like to use to use it, try to get rid of a hero from their hand, you know, every game. Scattered cheap. Scattered cheap, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and then choose to go second if they didn't have a hero after that, you know. Or right. if I, you know, it's, it does take away a little bit of that, you know, when you can't use those before you decide who goes first or your opponent decides who goes first. But, you know, in the end, I guess, I mean, it kind of levels it out pregame, I guess, a little bit more. And there's been plenty of times, like Jaden said, where I've <clears throat> um, have – uh, gone second, you know, because I, I may be defense heavy in my hand. There's no way I'm attacking and going to win that battle, um, you know, and I'd rather, like you said, just have them walk in. I, I feel confident in my defense to potentially hold them off. So, and, you know, let them go first. Uh, I can get my draw three as well and hopefully stop the rescue. Uh, conversely, I've had it where I've had no defense in my hand. I'm, I'm offense heavy. I'm just going to come in and hopefully win, you know, or it's balanced out. So uh, it, it really is game by game uh, where you decide who's going first, who's not. It, it just it just is literally every every game is different scenario, and you just have to make the best choice at the time with what, you, what knowledge you have and what cards you got. Okay, so getting getting back, just one point that I want to, to point out before we wrap this up is that on the uh, – the post, the official post where Gabe mentions this rule change, it says constructed formats have been dominated by hyper aggressive decks recently. I think we all agree there. Delaying access to the reserve is one of many steps we're taking to adjust that trend. It says we've discussed dozens of ideas to address the hyper aggressive nature of constructed decks. There is not a one size fits all fix. Combined with rotation and the randomization of the first player. Months of testing has shown us that this is a healthy next step that is less disruptive than many of our other options. Additional steps may be necessary as well. We will continue to evaluate the health of those formats. So when he mentions it's less disruptive, 
than other options. One of the other options that is actually has been brought up and probably the biggest proponent for it is the guy that won type type one this year. Um, Josh, who is Kevin, the dude on boards and discord, but he, he mentions a few cards and he talks about the, the fact that there's cards that unhealthily or in an unhealthy way, access the reserve. And he mentions remnant, endless treasures, exiles, even the Southeast defense of um, the King resin package. And he kind of pushes that there's a, there's a there's a way to alleviate some of the disadvantage or the imbalance at the beginning of the game by eliminating some of the cards that create that versus doing some type of restricting the reserve access and the fact that Gabe mentioned that there's other disruptive ways and this reserve rule is a less disruptive way that they want to try out first do you guys think that the next step if there's something else to be done another level that they have to do do you think we could ever see redemption have a a bigger ban list or ban newer cards because it seems like they've only with morning weave obviously that card was proven to be broken and they replaced it but every other card that they banned kind of had its whole life cycle and then they got rid of it do you think we could see to where cards come out they play for a while realize that they're broken and then like morning weep go ahead and nip it in the bud um I do think that's a possibility. I I mean, I, I think that um, the card creators have definitely learned from cards like a morning weave. Um, I'm hoping, especially with all the playtesting that's going on with GOC, that, you know, there's been several cards that we've learned have already been, uh, even Jaden mentioned, you know, one just a little while ago, that have already been changed. Um, playtesting does a good job, I think, of doing that and, I feel like they're doing their due diligence. Um, but, you know, a card like Endless Treasures, you know, maybe if it if there's a, like, okay, love at first sight, we can always bring that back up, right? Uh, we didn't realize just, just a few more times. <laughs> that's that's going to be at least a few more episodes. Uh, we'll keep bringing that up. But, you know, I mean, you, don't, you may not realize it at the time what advantages can be taken of it. And I don't know, man, Endless Treasures, you think about that card where you can consistently get a draw to and get, uh, you know, curses out or whatever, or idols. I mean, that's a big engine to, to have a fast, quick setup game and consistent and getting it with Delivered or Offering Your Son or so many cards can go and get it. You know, it's like it's so easy to get it going. Um, you know, maybe we might see a band or an errata there, but um, – you know, maybe the game will balance out. Maybe we will, you know, one thing I remember seeing it or hearing it somewhere is that, you know, in this new set, people are going to want to play more defense. Uh, or maybe they don't want to run out of cards. Maybe that is a disadvantage in some way. Uh, and if we see those things, I could see them kind of, you know, balancing themselves out um, and not having to do anything with them. But, again, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I like certain cards that uh, punish or uh, make you think twice about doing a draw or search because that does help slow it down a little. So the more counters you have out, I think uh, it, it tends to have the uh, slowing effect, at least on your opponent. Um, but, you know, one thing about this, uh, the way the reserve, you know, was envisioned to be sideboard a card is, uh, and such, 
uh, I agree with it. I mean, I think something like the, it was mentioned earlier, child is born, you know, that woman with child can get out. It's, it's a very specific card and um, it's for a very specific purpose. And the same thing with so many of the cards in Revelation, John, you have, um, you have, uh, you know, the, the uh, what was it, seven seal that can get a trumpet, you know, a card with trumpet or trumpets in the title from reserve. Um, you know, the very first reserve accessing card was the watchman. He can go from minor or major profit. So to me, I think that what's happened is with the, with this whole reserve abuse is the reserve has been the, the ability for reserve access has been broadened too much to make, to make it, to target almost any card. So for example, you know, like you have exiles, any old Testament artifact or Jotham, the mighty, he can get any good card from a reserve when you convert him to meek. I mean, th that is entirely too broad. If you restrict the kind of card you're getting, I think that will really help tone it down to what it was meant, what it was meant to be. Um, you know, maybe something like just in a quick example, like Jotham, and you know, just say a purple uh, um, Old Testament enhancement or from a certain book, kind of like how um, uh, I think it was a. Um, he has, uh, he was the one who can get the, uh, second Kings or second Chronicles Brown card from reserve, whatever he's in LOC. Anyway, things like that. I think if you, if you just tone it down to make it something way more specific, then you get back to the original intent of saying, I want this card here just in case my opponent's playing this kind of deck. Um, but if you broaden it where it's endless treasures, you can get any curse, and you get a draw too off of it, it's, it's, it's too much. It needs to be something very specific. And I think that will help tone down some of this abuse we're seeing with the reserve. Yeah, I think that, I don't know, uh, I think some of those cards are okay to kind of have a more broad reserve access. Like, I mean, Jotham, I don't, I don't necessarily know that you know, getting any good card is really a bad thing because maybe in certain situations you want different good cards. I think the problem is more so on cards that kind of give it to you for free, sort of, or like, you know, exiles. It's just if put in territory and it's on a lost soul, so you get to replace the card or, you know, you, you replace it when you draw it. And, you know, then you go get the OT artifact that you want right away. With Jotham, you know, that's the hero that you're attacking with. You have to convert him to Meek which, you know, can be a benefit in some cases, but also it just means that it's a one-time use unless you have, like, a, a bounce ability or something to reset him. So, like, um, maybe a good example of this would be, like, Covenant of Prayer. When it first came out in Revelation of John, I, like, absolutely despised the card um, because it lets you get any card from your reserve, um, and it was you know, basically just like an auto include in, in every single deck because it was just like you can have this one card in your deck and then have access to, you know, any of these other 10 cards outside your deck. And not to mention the weird part about, you know, getting a card back that was banished by your opponent. Um, you know, I wasn't a, a huge fan of getting a, a banished card back when it's, you know, it's supposed to be banished, like gone. Um, but, you know, over time, once reserve access was brought into more themes and, um, you know, there were more cards that accessed the reserve than like, you know, Covenant of Prayer became a you know, more seldomly used card, I guess, where 
like it's not as good because now it takes up an artifact slot um, and you know it, it, does, it doesn't give you kind of like quite the the free value that some other reserve access cards would give you um, and so I think that that's kind of like where the the problems are are like you know the cards like exiles or remnant that give you kind of that um, you know more open-ended access for free um, and then also cards like Endless Treasures that give you that access with, you know, an added benefit because, you know, there's, uh, you know, a, a slew of good idols and curses right now. And the fact that you get to do that and then also draw two, um, you know, just kind of, there, there are certain cards that just give you a, a bigger advantage. Um, you know, I think even without the reserve endless treasures it would still be a good card or it would be used in a lot of decks because you would just be going you know only to your deck but that's fine because you know a lot of the the targets that you'd be getting are you know cards that you would use in your deck anyway like golden calf or you know, wasting disease or something like that do, do you think that we could ever see endless treasures become banned just because it does fit into every deck and Limiting the reserve access really doesn't hurt it. It just means that you have to put one or maybe two of those cards that you could target into your deck. Oh, uh, I could, I could see it being banned. Um, I mean, I think for a similar reason that Samuel was banned, and that uh, I mean, almost kind of does the same thing: gets you a card and draws two cards. Um, but you know, Samuel just showed up in you know, lots of the, the top decks, I guess pretty much because the only like top decks at the time were thrown pretty much. But um, I think Endless Treasures kind of maybe not having quite the same effect, uh, but, you know, having a, a strong effect of, you know, speed and, and setting up, um, no, I, I could certainly see an, an argument for endless treasures being banned. Um, I guess maybe the argument against it that I could also see is that idols and curses are generally cards that are you know countering your opponent's speed. Like you know, golden calf is restricting them from playing enhancements unless the characters in battle, so it's stopping the territory class stuff and um, you know stops a lot of those speed elements that your opponent is using or like wasting disease punishes their searching or all the curses to negate their neutrals. Like they're not like, uh, I don't, I doubt that they're going to, you know, print too many like idols and curses that give you like a, you know, greater advantage, like maybe broken covenant is kind of the only example that I can think of right now where it's like, you know, you can activate that and possibly get a draw three, but it's you know, based on the, number of your opponent's good brigades and stuff so not a whole lot of like extra value but it's more of a counter card i believe that card was in the deck that got second place wasn't it Derek? yeah i had that uh it was one of the late includes in my uh in the nats deck and i can tell you uh, there was a few times uh, i don't i don't think i ever used it in that it, it just never came out uh, or if it did i got negated or something but um um, but in, in other games leading up to Nats, I could tell you it was nasty when I would use endless treasures to go to that. I, I just got to draw five right there. 
and then I come in with like Ishmaya and get another draw three that turn. I mean, it was so stupid the number mm-hmm. of cards I was drawing. But um, Ishmaya think- may be the most broken of cards. One of the most. You got to think a band, a draw, and a negate other characters all in the same card. In addition to Outcast Refuge giving it immense <laughs> playability and versatility because it can pull it from reserve now. Yeah. Like before rotation. Yeah, and that's that's a draw too right there because as soon as you you know had David Bantam, that's a that's a draw too. But anyway, so um, so the endless treasures thing I think is um, I don't know. I think we need to let it play out a little bit, uh, especially with the reserve rule the way it is. Um, but it's you know it's it's a great card, but you know, is it, is it too much is the question. Kind of like Jaden said, is it, is it like a new Samuel in a sense? And um, I think that's, we need probably just a little bit more. Let's see how it does with GOC, I, I would say. And if it's, you know, still being really abused and, and uh, auto-included in every deck, then, you know, so be it. Then you, you say that, but we could also make the argument for three woes. That's literally in every deck. And then look how versatile that is and how powerful that is. I, I will say about three woes since I came into the game. That this is, card. This is a true story. That card has really irritated me to no end because it's three woes. There was one woe. Behold, there was another, and then there was a third. Okay, why does that not just last three rounds? Like, why do you not use that three turns and it's done? Why does it stay the entire game? So, if you get that in your opening hand, you're already that far ahead of your opponent because you have a reusable negate. From the very beginning of the game, I just yeah. I really do think that that should be capped and limited to three turns because that makes sense. It's in the name of the card. It's in the Bible verse that it's referenced, and then it's like, oh, for eternity. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a good idea. Um, I, I'm going to tell you though, the more the, the card that annoys me more than that is Chronicles of the Kings. That thing, yeah, because Jaden started showing everybody that you can use it in battle. Yeah, you play like yeah, three of your battle winners and you can negate it. And oh, let me just slap this down to the end and get rid of them. So now, not not only do I not have the numbers to try to push past and with the rescue, now everything's negated and prevented from. It's 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 so sick. Oh, and then I take out all the weapons that are equipped to somebody, and then all your idols and it's it's like a gigantic nuclear bomb. And I think it's that thing is overpowered. So See, that's I, why you got to start playing like light in the darkness and you can underdeck the card after you use it. <laughs> yeah, unless somebody has initiative and then interrupts it, you know, but no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, well, especially in rotation I, chronicles is, it's really good. I mean, it, it was before, but you know, in rotation, it just be got, got to be so much better with so many or like fewer cannot be negated enhancements and stuff. And that's not me blaming you for showing. It's just that's where, like, I first saw it was on one of your videos. And, <laughs> and that's where I think a lot of people picked up, oh, yeah, it does actually work through the face. So let me do this. Yeah, I think that was a surprise to a lot of people, even some of the card creators, because they were like, oh, yeah, the way we worded this actually is not the way that we you know, necessarily planned for it to work. They weren't planning for that versatility. <laughs> Yeah, at least not from or from what I know, I don't think they were anticipating that. Like I, I did a little bit of playtesting with um, LOC as well, and like I don't think we ever like played it that way uh, in playtesting. See, I think something in in for Chronicles, it should have been an or instead of and, 
you know, you hit one of these three targets and that's it. So if you want to get rid of a, a, somebody's annoying idols or, a, you know, fine, that's what your target is or your curse or evil enhancements. But to do all three is, is just to me, to me too much, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so. at least it gets rid of your own. And that's one reason why I haven't played it. Cause I rely heavily on temple artifacts, uh, mostly. And so, and even with glory of the Lord, it doesn't stop you from your chronicles wiping them out. So it, uh, you know, for, for me in my style, it, it doesn't help me because I would want to play it on defense. Uh, well, that's that's probably why I didn't win anything at Nats, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Jaden, I need you to look at one of my decks. <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> um, so, as we get ready to wrap up this conversation, and I think I think we had a, a couple of good points, but I think the the biggest thing is just kind of the fact that this combined with the randomization, and we're hoping, and I, I know that the elders and the leadership group are hoping that combined, those take that percentage for the player that goes first. So I won't be at Alabama State's or you know Southeast Regionals this year asking, did you go first? I already know who won. Did you go first? I already know who won. Hopefully that goes down a little bit. And I think the perfect balance, like Brad said, you're not going to get rid of it entirely, but it would be nice to kind of find a way to get it to hover around that 60-40, uh, make that a benchmark. And that way it, it really does. I think we all want the game to – we want the game to play out to where a player's skill and – how well you pilot your deck is the main determining factor, not based on did you go first? Okay, well, you're already at such a disadvantage that it doesn't really matter how good of a player you are. It's hard to come back from that. Um, yeah, I've but, made some um, pretty boneheaded mistakes and uh, should have won a lot of games. I'm one of those players that do not pilot my deck quite well, right? <laughs> even yeah, going first. <laughs> so, But it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where it sounds like as we talk, we, we understand that leadership's trying their best to curb a problem. And so this is kind of one of those things where it, part of it seems like it's just constant second guessing, but it's really just talking about the game and providing commentary as players, how we see it when we play. Um, but I would like to end on a positive note because as much as there is changing with the game, and I think a lot of it is positive change, I'd just like to go around and I'll go ahead and start first, but just, Say something about the game that you you like right now for the time. Like Jaden mentioned that the game, it seems like interest is building back up. And I don't know where, where it was in that cycle when we came in, but it seems like there's a lot of interest, especially with this new set and the fact that it's New Testament and it's kind of opening up a, a part of the story or the background for the game. So the source material is the Bible and everything about the Bible points toward our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the New Testament part has kind of been, especially for us coming in, there hasn't been the ability to play New Testament stuff to where you're competitive. So part of the main story and all of the the name of the game is redemption and our redemption is in Christ. And it you didn't really get the opportunity to play those things. And I think the new set coming out and having some of those New Testament themes is something that I'm really looking forward to. And I'd just like to open it up and let each person say something that they're appreciative of the game for right now. So we can just go around and start with Brad on the spot. On the spot. 
Um, you said you were going to say something first, but you know, uh, I did, I, I did. I brought up the fact that new Testament is becoming something right. that okay. we have, we have the main point of the Bible pushing us toward Jesus Christ and him coming to earth being our ultimate redemption, the name of the game. <laughs> All right. Punchline. Okay. And now we have that as a playable thing, like seeing that card and it, I don't know how it's going to work for new Testament gold, but seeing Jesus, the woman at the well, that card, that artwork is fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, we've never, since we came into the game a couple of years ago, we, how many times you ever thought about, hey, I'm going to sit down and play New Testament? You haven't. I have not built a single New Testament deck in two years. And there's no, there hasn't been a reason <laughs> to, but now we're, now we're, we're getting that part of, that part of the Bible opened up in a way that we can build decks out of it. And that's, that's something that I like about where the game is right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm um, I'm interested to see the interaction between if somebody plays the Old Testament deck versus the New Testament deck with this new set. Uh, but going to your original point of uh, just things we're appreciative of, um, I grew up playing skill card games like every one that came out. You know, I'll mention the Devil's games uh, <laughs> here. You know, like Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh, Star Wars. Uh, Digimon, whatever it was, uh, I never got it. Digimon, yeah, dude, I'm telling you, like if it came out, I played it. Um, don't forget, hold on, don't forget that you got to say it, My Little Pony as well. Okay, say what? Say My Little Pony is one of the cards you played. I'm sure, <laughs> dude, probably so. Somewhere you had the full the set, I'm sure. <laughs> but avid collector here. I love this game because as a 32 year old. Uh, I can I can be competitive, not just like with shallow cards. It's kind of like you know, like playing like go fish with somebody or something, you know, or blackjack. But like literally, like taking themes and taking like strategies and and being able to compete against somebody and not knowing what kind of deck they're gonna have. They, you know, and I really love rotation. Like it it has there's certain cards that I will absolutely miss, and I hope that in the future they make legacy rares or um you know kind of make similar cards. you're not getting bravery back stop <laughs> please stop it if you're listening you will to this not podcast, get bravery of david back whoever you are listening to this podcast elder creator team please bring back bravery of david actually gabe and the team <laughs> please make it legacy rare but please do the one that didn't have the ability <laughs> ultimate troll move <laughs> but um since rotation you really, I mean, it's you're not going up against Throne every time for like the most competitive. Obviously, people play around with different decks, but um, it, it just seems like there's different strategies to different themes and different players. And I love uh, one thing I've talked to my wife about, and one reason why I think she's okay with me getting into redemption, bringing my wife into it, is because of the community that it brings. I met a lot of people, um, some I would consider friends now, uh, some of them can do without jay's not here so i can mention his name no, i'm just kidding uh, but, um i know i'm going off a long time on this but i really am appreciative to the game it, it really is i know it's a lot of work that goes into it uh and it's i mean it's it's been really like a great hobby to pick up for me so very appreciative toward it derek you want to go next sure so i have to echo what brad says uh, for me the primary thing about redemption is uh i just I love the fact that this is a game that really strikes home to who I am, you know, my faith and uh, my 
just generally my faith and and my community of uh, fellow brethren, you know, in the faith. And so uh, I really enjoy that. You know, I played while I was playing Redemption. I was playing another CCG, and uh, I would go meet up with that play group locally and all that. And uh, we had good times, and there was really nice guys there and everything. But there was never really connection. You know, uh, it just wasn't. We, you, you can only go to a certain level with certain people because uh, it was it was just you only connected really in the game aspect, and that was really about it. But with Redemption, you really go deeper. You know, I think the conduit is uh, is is the game itself. But then, as you start talking to people, you know, you get now into the personal relationship where it's like, you know, you talk about your faith with them, you encourage them, you build them up in their faith, etc. And it just leads to deeper, more meaningful relationships uh, beyond the game. And so, to me, that's it's really great. Uh, the community aspect, all that. Um, and I just love the fact that, you know, I love the Bible and I love my, you know, my faith and I love reading stories and, and uh, these people of faith, um, throughout, uh, throughout history. And it's really cool to kind of see it kind of come to life in a sense, uh, where you're kind of playing certain cards or events and characters that, uh, that personify, you know, uh, and picture those, those events. Uh, I think it's just really cool. Um, and then also just, uh, I like how generally the game is going. I like how abilities are kind of being simplified. Um, they are, but at the same time, they're still a little bit, you know, a little more complex. I, I like where it's come away from with some abilities on cards. I look back and I'm like, you know, God bless Rob and, and the original team because we wouldn't have this game without them. But I also look back, I'm like, I, I don't know how I would have enjoyed that because it just seemed like, you know, too specific and too wonky, crazy abilities and, and strange abilities. It just, I just, I didn't really like that, but um, I just like the direction it's going. So, you know, we talk about these things about, um, um, you know, uh, we, we understand that we're all human play testers, elder team. We're all human. We all make mistakes and uh, you know, they, they make mistakes and we make mistakes. And so, uh, I, I'm just beyond all that. I, I'm very appreciative for what they do for the game. How, you know, what they've brought into it, how they've changed it to, I think something for the better and, uh, making it great. So I, that's what I'm really appreciative of overlooking any kind of, you know, these things we talked about tonight, uh, any particular errors or, um, you know, what the, 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 uh, intention that they didn't have for the reserve rule, things like that. To me, those things are kind of a secondary thing. I, I look at the bigger picture, and, and they're, they're doing a great job. So I'm appreciative of, of where it's at now. And you guys took all the good ones already. Like, I don't, well, You'll I have don't, to dig real deep. Uh, deep yeah, deep. I'm going to have to come up with... Uh, this better be original, Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing I want to mention is uh, that Brad wasn't at Nationals, so my dig earlier wasn't you know, you know a, a huge dig. It was... It was a joke. Just got to clarify that for all the people who, you know, were, were thinking that I was just saying that Brad was bad. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm disappointed that Brad wasn't there either because that might have been the one more win that I needed to get into top. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> the betrayal. <laughs> Unintended. You know, when this is done. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll sell tickets. <laughs> Live stream it. 
on redemption with Jaden this week. Yeah, 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 Welcome to go. the community. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, I, I guess I mean, definitely want to echo what you guys would, were talking about already. Um, I think what you know, John was saying about uh, the you know, New Testament set coming out that we haven't really had much of lately. I mean, we kind of had this block that was, you know, building up to the the gospel that was you know the fall of man it was and then you know the prophecies of christ and the, the lineage of christ all these old testament sets that you know kind of have these themes that are all you know building towards this new testament set but you know from a, a gameplay standpoint that means that the you know, most competitive decks lately are going to be old testament theme ones and that's what we're going to see a lot of and so now I think that that's kind of just created a lot more hype even than, than usual for a new set in Redemption for Gospel of Christ um, because like it is going to be so much different and or so it's going to be very different and uh, it's going to be you know, newer and we're, it's going to be interesting to see like okay who's playing New Testament who's playing Old Testament like is the or the GOC themes going to be able to compete with the existing themes and I think that there's just like a lot of excitement around that um, and then obviously the um, what both you know Brad and Derek mentioned about the the community that Redemption has I mean that's obviously a, a big thing um, for me as well um, you know just kind of being connected with with all of these people um, really on a you know, on a more personal level than just like going and, and playing a game with them. But, you know, I think of nationals as kind of like a family reunion that I get to go to every year. And it's um, you know, really great to, to catch up with people that I you know, only see once or, or maybe twice a year. Um, and so that's definitely kind of the you know, long term uh, perspective of, um, you know, why I like redemption. Um, but Maybe more specifically, like right now, I think in Redemption, we've been seeing a lot more um, creativeness and abilities, I guess. Um, I think that, you know, like Derek was saying, uh, a lot of the abilities are getting kind of more simplified or like you know, moving away from kind of the like blanket protection or that like cannot be negated or, you know, things that kind of diminished interaction. Um, but I think also we've seen some, you know, abilities that we hadn't seen before like you know ways that we interact with the game that um you know we haven't seen before like i mean i, I guess everybody knows my favorite uh you know, being joshua you know when a, a good card you is you own is top decked you get to draw one like that's an ability that we hadn't really seen before at least not that i can think of in redemption that i think opens up a lot of um you know, possibilities, uh, you know, combos like with the uh, foretelling angel and eyes to see, or I guess just, you know, like eyes to see or like um, uh, the Jeremiah new covenant, just like things like that, that, you know, it now does make us have to you know, limit uh, the way that we build some or make some cards that, you know, any good card that top decks itself, you kind of have to be careful with giving it like too powerful of an ability um but you 
I think get to see some of those kind of creative interactions with cards that, you know, wouldn't be used as much otherwise, like Eyes to See. Um, so I think that, you know, seeing more abilities like that that are creative and, and cool, um, you know, kind of outside the box is something that I've been liking about Redemption lately in the last few sets. I have uh, one more thing I'm appreciative towards, and that is um, that Jaden can't play Ager to get impartial judgment <laughs> off on me four times in one game. So I'm, I'm appreciative towards that. Unless you play Classic. <laughs> Not playing Classic. I'll, I'll find a way. <laughs> so I would, I would like to, and, and the point of going around and, and saying something about the game is I want to make sure that we balance providing commentary and, and things about the game and a lot of it can seem, like I said, second guessing or, or kind of knocking things that are that are being implemented. And I don't want it to just be that. I want to make sure that we focus on the good as as well as what we think could potentially be, you know, questionable things or things that we have questions about that are changing within the game. But just to provide a snapshot for the last two years since we got into the game. We came into the game, I guess that was on the heels of the two-liner, three-liner, Lost Soul being banned, Samuel's been banned, Morning Weep's been banned, got rid of Cascade Negate, we've got Rotation, we've got a New Testament set coming out, and I think the fact that every time you get on Discord lately, there's just so much, it's it's like a fresh curiosity with everyone talking about what the meta is going to become and things. And I know that I talked about it last week and I think redemption is just in a really good spot that even though we talk about things that are changing with it and, and maybe question the way that those are changing or how they're going to impact the way that we play the game. At the end of the day, we all, we all love the game. And the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is that as much as I play the game, I think about the game even more to the point to where every website that I go to, my password now includes a redemption reference and and it's it's just become part of who I am as a person now in two years. And the community's got a lot to do with that. And I thought the podcast could be a way to, Jaden mentioned that you get to catch up with people at nationals and then potentially you go an entire year without talking to people from various playgroups. And I just thought that this would be kind of a way to tie that in. So this could be like the letters to home or whatever. People could come on and you could interact with the game even though you can't have the physical cards in front of you all the time. So I just wanted to make sure that we balance this out to where we said something positive about the game, because I really do think that the game is in a fantastic spot moving forward. And like I, with the Royal Rangers joining in and people starting are trying to start play groups in various spots around the country. I, I really do think that redemption's in a fantastic spot. And I just wanted to make sure that we spotlight that as well. When we offer commentary with the game that, may may almost come off potentially negative just because we're questioning things that are changing with the game. So I just want to make sure we balance that out. So I will say thank you guys for joining Derek and Brad. Thank you for being on. Uh, we're going to try to rope Brad into this next week too. <laughs> we're going to see how far we can go before we, we, you know, open a paper and realize that um, something's happened to poor old Brad <laughs> before there's a man hunt. <laughs> My wife did it if you want the insurance money. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you guys for joining. Thanks, Jaden, for jumping in and, and helping us out. Absolutely. And 
we will look forward to at some point having all of you back on and the next episode we will probably try for next week guys um i'm not 100 percent sure what it will be on again i'm i'm flying by the seat of my pants with this i hope you all like the content hope you like the guests that we brought on and thanks for joining and we'll see you next time peace Hey guys, this has been episode number two of The Threshing Floor. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you made it through the entire discussion. And like we said before, we are not perfect. We're still working on getting better. But hope you enjoyed this content and hope you're looking forward to next week. The podcast is going to be posted again on YouTube on my channel, jhendrick6426. And that will be shared on Land of Redemption. And I'm sure it'll also be posted on Board's Discord and we are also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and there's a couple more. So feel free to look us up on wherever you get your podcast and go ahead and leave us a review. And we thank you for joining us. Looking forward to doing it again next week. Appreciate you.